Hola, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode five of The Stack. As you may have guessed, we are ready to deconstruct Microsoft's Windows 10 successor, Windows 11. So sit back, relax, enjoy myself and Gad, get into the thick of it. So Gad, this is Windows we're talking about here. It's been around longer than you have, buddy. <laughs> You're not lying there, mate. You're not lying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm fairly sure Windows NT came out in 1992. Uh, I'm not sure. I could be wrong on 94. I think it's 94, but we'll, we'll check that later. Um, yeah. It's quickly become the front-end OS that powers much of the world. It's an OS that can pretty much run on anything from a tiny chiplet called Raspberry Pi to an MRA scanner. I don't think the importance of Windows can be overstated. It's become the universal platform for businesses, creators, designers, coders, journalists, scientists, musicians, have I missed anyone out there, mate? Footballers. I'm barely sure footballers aren't using Windows devices. I think they're just sitting on social media. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm just being stereotypical. I'm sorry. Um, Microsoft has always traditionally positioned themselves to be the platform where productivity and gaming prevails. And that's a statement that would be quite difficult to contest. Windows is home for Office and Steam, two monarchs of their respective kingdoms. It has become such a stable platform that it simply fades into the background, an unassuming OS that tends not to raise eyebrows or flutter lashes. It has generally lacked the panache and the flair of modern mobile operating systems, and recently the Mac OS Big Sur, with its vibrant colors and translucent design language. I would argue it's quite a serious OS, and it takes itself seriously. It's enterprise first and tries its best to please swaths of the audiences around the globe, from legacy users such as energy companies to students. Aside from gaming, it's been a place of work where shit just gets done. So for much of the younger generation, it tends not to be the OS that you would naturally gravitate towards as mobile platforms have been the epicenter of recent memory. So when Microsoft announces a new version of their Windows platform, you're left wondering whether it's going to be more of the same with a fresh lick of paint or will they finally get radical for the sake of innovation and elevate the Windows experience in a mobile and cloud-first world? Well, I guess that's something we're about to find out. So Gad, let's quickly talk about some of the top level stuff 
you know, Windows, um, I guess the, the user interface and the design mm -hmm. language has, oh, I would, it's difficult because it's not radical, but it's not the same either. And I'm, I'm leaning towards more, it's radically different because, you know, rounded corners, frosted glass everywhere. The design language is very slick, very well thought out. I'm really, really digging the new design. What's your thoughts? I am, I am too, mate. I think it's, um, I understand what you mean when you say it's, it, it's not radical, but it's also, you know, it's not like there's, it's kind of um, minor either. It's, it's quite significant. And actually, I think it's quite refreshing. I think it's long overdue. And actually, I actually like the look of it. It's still got the familiarities of Windows OS that everyone's kind of uh, used to, but it's also got that kind of modern touch on it. You know, um, it, it feels like it belongs now in, in this day and age, 2021 kind of operating systems. At least it visually looks like it. And we'll touch on it later, I'm sure, but some of the kind of UI kind of... Um, look and feel that they were that were that they were demonstrating in their um in their in their launch video or launch event. Um I think I think I was just sitting there sort of thinking it's about time. Um because I think for, for for as long as I can remember the UI just looked very kind of plain and very professional and kind of very and in some ways boring. Hmm? Yeah. Seems blocky. Which is blocky, yeah very square, sharp edges, you know. It's not very an inviting feel, is it? No, it's not. And they've gone for kind of the opposite now. They, they've kind of... Um, it's very well, soft. Very Yeah, very soft, very light. Very, You know, a common theme of it is the sort of transparency throughout the whole OS. Things overlap and overlay. Um, so all in all, I like it. I like it. I think it's a good move. I think it's, it's about time as well. Yeah, I I think here's the funny thing. So on Twitter, I was scrolling through and basically a lot of the memes were, you know, it's, you know, it's just a Mac OS Big Sur ripoff. But then I strongly disagree. And, I, and I'll tell you why I strongly disagree. Mac OS Big Sur is very vibrant, very colorful, very playful. I don't get that playful feeling from the Windows 11 interface from, from the short videos that I've seen. It seems very sleek, very um, uh, chic. You know, it's not poppy in terms of vibrant colors. Everything seems very translucent. Translucent colors are very subtle. They're not pastely, but they're not bold either. And, uh, you know, I'm just viewing it from a design perspective and I don't see, apart from both of them looking modern in their own way, I don't see how Windows surprisingly has managed to create a new design language without it feeling like an imitation of someone else, of someone else's. I think that's fair. I think that's, well, can I, the best way, sorry to interrupt, but the best way I can describe it is it's almost the inverse of the Google's OS and iOS. iOS is very, we discussed this last week's 
uh, was it last week's episode? Uh, yeah. Google's OS is very colorful, very poppy, very playful, you know, very pastely. And that's how I, that's the same feeling I get from Mac OS Big Sur. Whereas iOS is very, you know, translucent, very kind of, um, you know, like a, more of a, like a chic UI. And I think that's what Microsoft has gone for. So it's, it's quite strange how the design language is a bit different. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I have, I think I feel less strong, strongly about the difference between um, Mac OS, Big Sur and Windows 11. I also think you're, you know, someone's bound to feel like Windows are now kind of finally, um, you know, I'm not going to say imitating, but finally following in, not, not even the footsteps, but kind of following a similar trend that Big Sur has been moving towards. Um, but what I would give credit for Windows, I think the special credit for Windows with this update from, from at least, you know, initial glance, because um, obviously I haven't used it yet, would be that it's kept its professional look and feel. End of day, it's ultimately an enterprise um, purpose OS, isn't it? That's what it's primarily used for. So he's managed to keep that same familiarity, as I said earlier, and that look and feel, but also with that modern twist. So you don't feel outdated. You you can still be productive and still have that same Windows experience, but you realize you're in 2021. No, I, I don't think you could have said that any better. I, you're spot on. I think that's exactly what it is. It's it was it's such a good and reliable OS, and it's genuinely a place where people get work done. Uh, but you know, if this modern era has taught us anything, it's that something needs to feel inviting. And I feel like that's what they were lacking yeah, with Windows. It didn't feel inviting. You know, we're, we're so used to having nice aesthetics. We're so spoiled now with the minimalistic designs. It's one of the reasons why Surface devices and MacBooks, uh, Mac devices are so popular. It's not because they're probably the most powerful laptops out there. Uh, most definitely not neither of them um yeah. but it's just because they're a, they're a beautiful and inviting space and environment to work with and it's about time that windows really adopted and embraced that new design language and that new feeling of you know rounded corners and um just the, more of a, uh, a eye-pleasing experience yeah. sometimes when things look a bit clunky and look a bit outdated it's not something you want to engage with or interact with you know so yeah i mean this is a huge bonus i think it's because it is definitely their weakest point because it took them so they were doing really nice gradual slow iterative updates with their their fluid design language but it needed to be from the ground up. It needed to be completely overhauled. And, and, and it makes sense that, you know, um, uh, they called Windows 11, you know, Windows 11, because it's a new, it genuinely feels like a, a new edition of Windows. Although there are a lot of same elements, but, but then. But that's the brand though, isn't it? They have to keep the core the core feel of it the same yeah otherwise it wouldn't be windows um it it's like you know it's like you getting rid of the 
to dock from mac os it's like you know mac big you know if we go as far as back as tiger you know everything still pretty much is in the same place um the dock and the um the menu bar at the top so i don't think how an os fundamentally behaves needs to be changed for it for you to have a new you know for for it to be called a new s new os so um so yeah i mean roll on windows 11 i cannot wait to get my hands on to see how you know things behave we've only really seen snippets of it so far in terms of the user interface Let's move on to performance and optimization before we dive into, you know, the new feet, some of the new features that they've announced. I doubt that's pretty much everything because it was only a 30, 30 minute presentation. Um, actually, before you, before you dive in. Yeah. Did you find that strange? That was only 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, I did wish you, uh, it was a bit, I, I do wish it was longer. I wish there was more demos, yeah, uh, but I have a feeling it was more of a teaser than a, a complete unveiling because I, you know, between now and October, they've got, or November rather, they have a fair bit of time. So I imagine this is going to be developer focus. So I think there's more to be unveiled when they release their hardware. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking they're, they're still keeping a lot of stuff close to their chest. Um, yeah. uh, I'm only speculating here, but that's what it seems like. Um, so yeah, I think we will. Yeah, have maybe to you're right. Maybe maybe that is that is what it is. Um, I, I don't know what I what I expected to be honest, but. Yeah, 30 minutes or whatever it was did feel quite short, considering how, you know, this is quite big. This is quite big and it's quite exciting. Uh, but yeah, hopefully you're right. Maybe it's, uh, you know, this is a kind of an initial teaser and they'll go into into more kind of depth over time, uh, which is which is kind of, it keeps the excitement going anyway. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think it's probably a good thing not to, I think it it's it's a good thing because it's such a huge operating system. I think they are they're going to slowly unravel, you know, exactly how powerful or what uh, you know um, uh, powerful the OS is and what it can do. Because there was a lot to, I think I think they also found themselves in a situation where. If you go quite deep into announcing everything, then you're stuck in that position where it can end up being a two hour long presentation. Mm. Um, and so you have to find that sweet spot. So because they yeah. because Windows is it's gaming first and productivity first, um, there's a lot to unpack there in terms of what you can do. But I think you can tell, I think they just needed to hit some briefs, which they did, uh, some of the big changes. And I think we'll see more later, later down the line and more information uh, being trickled through because that will keep them in the headlines all the way up until 
November upon re- release date. It's probably a, a well, yeah, because their surface. Well, that's when it's going to be released. Yeah, they said this this holiday. So holiday is uh, most likely November, and in November they tend to have their hardware uh, event when they announce the new surfaces. Uh, right. I think, I think this year it, it it might be the studio and the Surface Book, not going to be the laptop or the Go. Uh, probably Surface Surface Pro, yeah, Surface Pro. So it'd be mm-hmm. Surface Pro Nine, I believe. We're on eight, I think. Um, Surface Book Four. Mm, I think we're on seven. We're on Surface oh, Pro Seven. Oh, uh, oh, is that the most recent one? I think so. Yeah, because okay. they did. They, I think they did a seven plus, as they call it, kind of like a updated business version Mm. okay yeah um yeah so i think um i think that's something to look forward to and hopefully the idea would be to show off what the software can do with with matched hardware basically with optimized hardware so yeah so yeah um yeah, so let's move on. So let's move on to the performance and optimization before we dive into some of the new features. Um, so they're saying it's going to be uh, a super fast OS, and Windows generally quite fast. So that'll be interesting to see how responsive and optimized it is on uh, laptops, because uh, traditionally it works super well on desktops um, and. So it will be more power efficient. So battery life should uh, be extended uh, on existing devices. And I suppose newer devices will be able to take advantage of that optimization. Um, they say they have optimized the um, the platform to work with those new processors, similar to you know the system on chips that Apple have, where you have a a, a big little architecture where you have four performance cores and four low powered cores to to tackle those you know the really low end kind of um the less the least power hungry application so that way the higher power cores won't have to kick in and drain more battery and you know isn't that just, kind of like the uh, the m1 yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so the M1 has a big little architecture, like the, all their other silicon, and uh, Intel are releasing their new big little architecture along with AMD and Qualcomm. So, um, so they're they're catering their OS for those um, for those um, um, silicon. The Windows updates are going to be 40% smaller, which I think is uh, a godsend for for most people who compl- constantly complain about Windows updates. But I've never, maybe because I have a desktop PC, I've never really complained about, it really had an issue with Windows updates. What, what's the complaint? Is it that there's too many updates? There's too many and they take too long. And they happen, they, um, yeah. It just take too long, apparently. And to be fair, I have seen instances where um, Windows updates can be a pain, but I guess if you multiply that by, you know, however million B billion Windows devices there are, I guess these voices are definitely going to get louder. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, not only are they forty percent smaller, they actually also install in the background, similar to how you know the Android devices and stuff, and I guess maybe even the iOS devices. And all it requires is a quick reboot for it to um, implement the make the changes. What, wasn't that always the case though? What what's so no because when there's an update, well, you can carry on working and doing other stuff in the background. Yeah. You can carry on working and do other stuff in the background, and then you have to do update and restart. You have to click update and restart or update and shut down. And yeah. the issue that people are having is that when you hit the restart button, it will go into that spinning wheel where it says applying changes uh, or Windows is updating 30%, 40%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you just be stuck on that screen. And um, yeah, people on that jarring, which is a fair point. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's good news. Um, I think, you know, if stuff like that can fade away in the background, it's always a great thing. If there's one less thing that you have to deal with, wonderful. I think that's what, that's the kind of progress that we need. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so if you're an Office 365 customer, it will be a lot more integrated because, uh, whichever documents that you, uh, whatever documents that you've been viewing on any other platforms or devices will automatically appear in your, um, your start menu. And this start menu will be sort of, um, machine, le- it will incorporate a form of artificial intelligence and machine learning where, uh, you know, these files or applications or whatever you've been using should appear. I don't, they don't really go too much into it. It's very, you know, a lot of this was very, it was glossed over. Mm. I guess is, it's is something. It's part of that. Is, sorry. It's, it's part of that. The, um, I can't remember. Now. Is that where they mentioned, you know, it can tell, you know, when you click the start button or whatever, you can tell it will come up with suggestions based on your use case and what types of apps might be relevant for you and like, you know, really relevant suggestions, basically. Is, is that yeah, part I of guess, this? I guess that's the idea. I mean, they haven't really confirmed that's it. That's quite or really good. Yeah, I mean, that's very good. I mean, it's very much that, you know, that that elusive step in the right direction that we were talking about, a an OS actually being intuitive. So, yeah, maybe they watched the pod. And, uh, I think week. so. You know, I think someone, someone from Microsoft were listening. Um, and, uh, well, there is sort of, um, there's, there's breadcrumbs of that sort of dotted around and we'll get to that when we get to the features. Um, and some of the OS level stuff, for example, um, actually, you know, let's not ruin it. Let's actually go into the features now. Uh, let's get right into the features. So the staple features, um, just jumping into it, the key features that they were seem like very happy to shout about, and and they have every right to do so, with a snap layout. So it's very similar to what they had in Windows Seven. You know, you can snap a window to to the left or to the right and snap it up to make it full screen. Um, so now they've they've elevated that. So 
you have you have uh, a preset of grids that you can take advantage of. You select mm. that grid, and then uh, you can easily, as they say, reducing by reducing complexity, you can easily um, and s- simply just click on whichever applications you want in those boxes. And um, this really, t- <laughs> you know, it was quite funny because when I was watching it. And, you know, when we had that whole argument of like, you know, this is probably the best multitasking you can probably get on iPad. And then I watched this and I thought, (laughs) absolutely not. (laughs) And it's almost quite embarrassing because it it definitely feels like, uh, you know, we'll carry on with, you know, uh, more of the features in a second. But uh, from the top, I just wanted to say that considering they've got the Surface Pro line which is basically a tablet with a keyboard which is exactly what an ipad is right it's a tablet mm. with a keyboard yeah. um an ipad pro you're not going to buy an ipad pro unless you're an artist without a keyboard even if yeah. you're an artist you most likely will need to do comms and send emails so you will get a keyboard mm. and i feel like especially when they removed the keyboard and it went into tablet mode i thought this is probably what mac users on an iPad are dying for because it seems very, very well thought out. The multitasking is awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, impressive. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we'll, ca- we'll carry on. Um, but yeah, that snap thing was awesome. And then what made the snap feature and you saw the desktop layout um, integration um, feature even more appetizing was the fact that if you, uh, you know, I think we, it's clear it's clear to say that, you know, considering, you know, where people live and a lot of people don't have space in the house and people like to be portable, most people have laptops. And especially with the whole working from home and, you know, pandemic situation and scenario, um, not only do they have a laptop, they probably also have an external monitor. And that's exactly what you did. And so Microsoft have really thought about that and they thought, okay, if you're constantly plugging and unplugging from an external monitor, how good would it be if Windows was a little bit more smart about handling that situation? And that's what they did. So, um, you know, you plug in your, uh, you unplug your um, monitor, all the apps go into the background of your laptop's display and then when you plug the external uh, the the monitor cable the docking station back in all the apps that were once on the external monitor would magically reappear exactly how they were and and it's such and a that's simple the key thing. bit right the key bit is that it, it reappears exactly how you had how it, yeah had it which is which yeah. is so important because you know it supports that continuous productivity over time, over different environments, portability, you're moving around, you know, you stop, start, you know, and to know that your working station, as it were, is always um, ready for you to come in and and do your thing. Yeah. So, yeah, props to them on that. Credit credit where credit's to you. It's very much um, doubling down on that whole concept that Panos bangs on about, which is your flow, not to interrupt your flow. You want to get into your flow. And, you know, at first it seemed like a very cheesy, um, cheesy concept. And, uh, but it absolutely makes sense. 
because especially now that we're all working from home and we're, we're stuck with our personal devices, um, not everyone gets handed a corporate device. And even then you can't just work from a single screen. That's so horrendous. Um, mm. uh, yeah, it, it makes sense. And uh, I completely get the direction that they're going in. And as I was saying, it's these little things that make your life that you know make your life so much easier and it's those things that people appreciate the most not so much the bells and whistles of a the hardware side of things yeah Mm -hmm. and um yeah and and then doing this via software is it's crazy it's awesome and um yeah i'm I'm glad that you know this is where they're heading and so the other thing um you know very similar to which is another supposed layer of this whole snaps and layout and dockings and flow situation is if you have a um, notification that appears or an email that you need to action you click on that email it takes you out of your current flow current application or whatever document presentation you're working on and um, normally you know you kind of get it gets all jumbled you reply to that email you're done and as and the way I understood it, as soon as you're completed, it will take you automatically back to where you were. So that way you don't get distracted again. Because we mm. all know that once you launch your emails, it's game over. You know, <laughs> I don't know how you work, but once I'm into my inbox, I get so sucked into, you know, reading all my new emails and, you know, being obl- obligated to apply at that very moment in time. And I get completely stripped away from mm. what I need to actually be working on. So, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's awesome. I think here's where I think we start, you know, windows OS starts entering. I don't want to call it the Mac OS territory because it's not just a Mac thing but obviously because of the timelines and it's come after Big Sur, et cetera, um, where people might think that. But I think you get that same sort of fluidity or at least near enough from a macOS as well. So this is, see, these might be some of the reasons why people, you know, might say, well, well, thanks, but you're kind of late to the party. Um, because having used the Big Sur for a, for a little while, I think, I get a similar sense and similar feel of kind of productivity. You know, I, I do the just as whatever swipe, got my split screen working on stuff, you know, documents, etc. I click on something, my mail comes up, I'm using my mail, exit it, I'm back on my screen. I get a similar sort of fluidity there. So, I mean, it's, it's a good thing because obviously now Windows are also doing it, but I do wonder where these kind of things, you know, you can only give them so much credit because they're not necessarily the kind of pioneers or first to implement. Well, that, that whole fluidity thing, I don't think that technically exists on a Mac because uh, I think I think what you're describing is slightly different to, I think, what she was describing on stage. And uh, I'm not sure how different it is. I'm not, I don't think it's a case of you just closing down the app or minimizing it and then you're back where you were. No, I think I, what you're talking about is, you know, when you slide across apps because, you mm. know, Apple handle Windows differently to Windows, right? Because once you're in full screen, you're in that whole almost 
different desktop types. It's kind of like a desktop. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. So that you're I right. think they handled that, that differently. So yeah, you're you're right. That is you know that was the example I gave. But I do think so. If I'm working on a you know a desktop and I'm doing something, if I you know want to check my emails or I've got an email, I click on it. It will take me to the mail app. I'll check out that email. Or I don't even think it takes me to the mail. I think it will open up a little pop up of the mail that I've just the notification that I've just clicked on. Once I exit that, I'm now back on the screen that I was on anyway. So. Oh, like a preview, you see? Is yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so I think Matt, I think Matt's do the preview thing really well. I really like that preview function. I only but tried it out the other day for the first time. Because you uh, don't want to go into the app; you just want to have a, a peek, right? A glimpse of. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think what what she was describing here is if you had to actually action something, you know, you see you see the notification appear and you think, oh crap, I need to action that. I think that's that's that you know workflow that she was describing in that presentation. But yeah, no, I, I you know, I will if you you have to give credit to uh, to who whoever sort of went down that path first, and uh, and Apple have made huge strides in. Um, in some of this simplicity, like preview and things like that, um, and um, so yeah, no. But I think what they what they're doing is different. Um, it's there are some excellent things that the Mac uh, OS have, and and I was describing this to um, one of my mates um, about how good their Finder is. I mean, I love the Mac Finder. You can yeah. color code, you can tag. Uh, and it's such powerful, uh, powerful tools for someone who um, has huge directories because you want to color code certain directories, you want to tag certain directories, a certain um, uh, category. And uh, I, as far as I know, that you can't do that on Windows uh, yet, and that's quite frustrating. So I have mm. a feeling that Microsoft isn't going to. They don't seem like the people to imitate too much. I think they will trying to add their own flair yeah, to some. Yeah. So I think that's what's going to happen because they did talk about having tabs and group tabs. So mm. your workflows um, are, can be categorized into a single icon, like what um, you've seen in the demo when they had the snaps categories. So all the apps are snapped in a particular way and then, it can dock and then, and that's, that's incredible. I haven't seen that really anywhere else before. Um, and they're also going, and so I think they're going to double down on that direction where they will snap, like um, say, for example, not just separate desktops or work play and entertainment, but actually if you're working on a particular project um, you have your finder and within your finder, it will be like tabs, very similar to Chrome. And you will have, you know, an application which might be, you know, Lightrooms and, you know, something else and so on and so forth. And that will be one workflow, which is all tabbed together rather than hundreds of windows. Um, so I think that's the direction they will go in. I think they will very much try and tackle certain problems and improve um, user experience in their own way. Okay, right. So let's move on to connecting people. There isn't really too much to unpack here, um, aside from the fact that Teams, which is traditionally been Microsoft's corporate um, product line, to for aimed at collaboration and um, conferencing um, and just general 
chat functions and things like that. Very similar to sort of combination of Zoom and Slack all in one, you know, one glorious product. Uh, they now want to extend that platform to uh, consumers, to end users. So, you know, not just their enterprise uh, customers or their business, you know, their corporate customers um, and bake it right into windows. And uh, finally, I would say, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah. look, and everyone has their own preferences of conferencing, but I think a modern platform these days should have a truly baked in um, conferencing and communications tools. You don't, I think having to rely on third party apps and uh, applications just isn't really what you consider a modern desktop operating system. So I'm glad that they've done this. It is it will yeah. be nice. And the good thing, uh, the good thing is the way it will work is when you first get a or when you enroll your Windows 11 device, you have to connect it to a Microsoft account, and mm. it has to be connected to the internet. And then ultimately, what that will do is connect Teams with that Microsoft account and automatically create you an account. Um, very similar to I believe FaceTime. Um, so. Uh, so basically, if you know someone's got another Windows device or any other device, you can just ping them. Uh, I guess if it's another Windows device, you know, it would just be a lot more seamless. But if you're sort of trying to connect to someone on, the, uh, on a different platform, I guess it must be some sort of URL or link that they have, they'll be directed to. I don't mm. exactly know how that's going to work, but I dig it. I think uh, it's nice. I mean, we, we, we use Zoom, but I'll be interested well, in seeing how good it is. Yeah, I mean, at work we use we use Teams, uh, so I'm quite familiar with Teams. I like Teams actually. I think it's, I don't know what I don't know what it is. I, I prefer it to some like you know to, to Zoom. I, I don't know why, but maybe it's just a kind of the user interface. But um, yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, why why wouldn't they integrate it? Um, more, you know, deeper into into the Windows OS. W one thing I thought was interesting was. You know, where does this leave Skype? Because isn't Skype also kind of under the Windows umbrella? It's clear that they're going to decommission Skype. Yeah, so Skype... I mean, it's been falling off for a while, hasn't it? I, I can't remember anyone that's been using it. Um, yeah, I think they're years. slowly trying to kill it off. And I think it's just another story where Microsoft's just trying to uh, keep afloat a legacy application. I mean, they try to do their best to keep that a consumer-only end. But because so many since since the lockdown, since everyone's been working from home, so much so many people have been used to Microsoft Teams that it just makes sense to bring that home as well, right? Um, yeah, yeah, and just have it as a unified platform, not have fragmented products and you know applications. Like look, Zoom's a perfect example. It's both uh, for personal use and enterprise. Um, and it works well. I think it's great just to have one application to do everything. Mm, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, let's not be Google and have multiple product lines that do the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm glad. Let's just say goodbye to Skype. I don't like the Skype interface. And like you, I've used Teams. I don't use it as much anymore because my, my companies have yet to uh, move over to Teams. So ironically, they're still on Skype. So that's probably why oh, they keep the camera. <laughs> Embarrassing. Oh, I know, dude. It's awful. But no, Skype is fine. It's not, but it's no nowhere near as powerful as Teams. And Teams is such a good product. So mm -hmm. 
Yeah, looking forward to using it. All right, what's next? Windows widgets. So I feel like this is a novel product. I mean, it's it, it's it's nice. Uh, I'm not sure how excited I am for it. I mean, it's similar to, you know, when you have the newsfeed on your Google phone, you, you know, you swipe left and then you see all your, you know, your personalized news. Yeah. It's nice. But I tend to read news mainly on my phone as opposed to on the desktop, but maybe that's about to change. It might change, yeah. yeah. Exactly, this might be the new way. It looks very nice with the frosted glass overlay and then you can yeah, pull out a small tab and then you can make it full screen if you want to. Um, mm. And you can see the weather uh, and all sorts of things. It will be nice to, to have more meaningful um, info. That's the trick, yeah. Yeah, like you know say for example um say you enroll i don't know a certain email service on via the built-in windows mail app right and cortana whatever machine learning or ai function um is baked in could just kind of see oh by the way your parcel's coming tomorrow and just give you a, sort of a notification on that. Hopefully it could be local machine, local on-device sandbox machine learning. So none of, you know, your banks, you know, you, you know, your bank or your direct debit due kind of emails um, can be seen by the likes of Microsoft. So something that happens locally in the device and then you get nice reminders because that's more useful, right? You don't always want to know what the hell mm -hmm. Boris Johnson has done this year, this, this time around, you know? Mm -hmm uh yeah did, did they mention how how that you know did they mention anything about widgets being kind of personalized and kind of um catering to the the way you use your uh device etc or was it or was it just kind of like hey it's this this nice fancy widget um it looks really nice that's about it yeah i think it was just more personalized news weather and that's it really that's what what i got from it i don't think it was any anything more substantial than that but i guess we'll find out and you know what one of the uh, most of the, with windows their products tend to evolve exponentially so um well actually maybe i shouldn't say exponentially but they do evolve and they do iterate on their product lines um with their you know biannual update so we'll we'll probably see we'll probably see um improvements i guess they probably will expand the product and you know improve on it so it could get better over time we'll have to wait and see i guess yeah i guess we will uh okay moving on Windows is designed to adapt to you. That's what Panos says. So no matter what, so, and you know what, you can all give credit to them because Windows know how to do touchscreen OS quite well now. They've been doing it for a long time. They were the first, you know, company to really introduce a, um, a thought out touchscreen panel that, you know, and th that was the genesis of windows eight with the big tiles and stuff. And it was horrible, but I, that was the thinking behind it because, you know, you can have a windows, which you can easily use with a touchscreen, like a tablet, but that mm -hmm. didn't quite work out. 
it just turns out that what people really wanted was an operating system that was touch friendly. Um, and uh, and it looks like that's what they've gone for this time. So it's more of the same user uh, Windows user interface, but the moment it goes into touchscreen mode, um, you know, very subtle differences and changes in the OS user interface changes. So the icon spread out, um, some aspects, some elements of the uh, the actionable items on a particular application uh, or on the you know on the start menu and and uh, applications um, are more spaced out, more prominent. So it's easy for you to use with your, your finger. So um, when that, when, when the chap in the demo, when he was um, kind of working his way around in tablet mode, I thought, wow, this is actually really cool. Mm-hmm. It very much felt like this is an iPad on steroids. Because <laughs> um, it seemed, uh, it seemed a lot, it seems like a tablet that you can do a lot more with it. It just seems more substantial, not just sort of like the app by app experience. It's a full fat, you know, operating system, desktop operating system on a tablet. And it felt quite, it felt like it, it seemed quite intuitive to use. And then when he started using the pen with the uh, haptic feedback and everything like that, whilst you're using it, um, it just kind of uh, added to that, experience is you know something that you can really begin to get used to yeah that's interesting i I do like um i thought i thought it was very um very neat the way the os adapts um when you put it in tablet mode uh and and i know it is as you say it's very subtle it's very you know kind of under the radar kind of very kind of um, you know subtle and, and not distracting, uh, which is which I think is smart. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't really expect anything different. I mean, when I I used to use the when I had the Surface Pro three, this is a while ago now. When I first got it, I remember I was using the um, using it as a tablet a lot, a lot more than I was using it as. Um, a sort of you know laptop uh i think i was only using it when i was i was only really using it as a laptop when i was sort of in uni in lectures and stuff but um so so i kind of i'm not that surprised by i'm not it's, i mean ultimately what they've done is optimize it and make it look a lot more refreshed and modern and but all that kind of same you know kind of productive side of it is still there so i'm not really that surprised to be honest it feels very natural when you use it. I'm the opposite. I'm quite surprised that they've not tried uh, tried to add anything gimmicky on top because um, I hated that when it goes in tablet mode and you get the tiles that come across overlaying on the desktop and you're like, what am I going to do with this? This is this is part of crap. Um, it just seemed like such junk software that you probably get from Lenovo or something like that. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that is very subtle changes. Um, like you said, like without being distracting, it just fades away into the background. It just becomes more natural. You know what it seems like, you know, when a kid, uh, like a toddler sees a phone and they just automatically go to touch it. Cause it just seems so like the, in- the natural thing to do. And that's what it felt like. And that's how it should be, you know, um, 
and so yeah i'm i'm really looking it kind of almost makes me want to get a surface pro line because i'm traditionally really you know into the traditional laptop form factors yeah 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 so i mean i i've used the surface pro 4 for quite some time and it's nice but I'm not, I can't really get on with the sort of the flippy keyboard. Um, I prefer, you know, the aluminium unibody. Yeah, feel. their keyboards were, looking back, their keyboards were horrendous. I think from the four onwards, it gets slightly better. But the one I, <clears throat> sorry, the one I had uh, originally that came with the Surface Pro 3, um, yeah, looking back now, I'm not sure well, how I managed use it but you're you're judging by today's standards but back for the standards back then they were sort of the the height of keyboards i mean they probably didn't match apple's chiclet styles on their macbook pros but at the time they didn't really have a fabric type um true uh, cover keyboard if that makes sense true it, yeah that's fair so that you know it was quite novel but the actual you know, looking back, the actual typing experience of it, like the keyboards are, you know, jammed tight. There's no spacing in there. There's no, mm. you know, it's all compact. Obviously, you understand why, but um, honestly, I can't. Experience. I really can't understand how I, because at the time, I didn't feel like this was annoying. It was only as time went on and, you know, tech evolved and stuff like that, where I look back and thought, like, damn, that's, I would never use that ever again. In fact, I even... um before I sold it, I even bought the newer versions of the type, uh, type covers to replace it and use it on the Surface Pro 3 uh, just because I, you know, I couldn't take it anymore. I was just like, this is horrible. But yeah, um, yeah you're right. At the time, it was obviously, it, it didn't feel like it was outdated or anything. Yeah, I think for me personally, I do feel like it's slightly outdated now. I haven't used any of the new ones like from the Surface Pro 7 line. Um but like just using from the Surface Pro 4 line, I mean, they're great keyboards, but then once you jump onto the Surface Book um, or the uh, Surface Laptop, you think, oh, God, actually, uh, this is this is a bit, this is falling behind a, a little. I think they need to kind of come up with something a little bit more comfy. It's difficult uh, though, isn't it? Because because those keyboards have to remain light. They have to remain fairly mm. compact. You know, you're not, it's never going to be... You're not going to have, a, well, you know, never say never, but you're not going to have metal chassis Surface Pro keyboards, right? It's just not possible. No. I don't think I want the metal chassis, you know, iterations or anything like that. I think that'll be quite jarring. I think, uh, um, I think, I think there's just room for improvement. They're go- they're fantastic keyboards. Don't get me wrong, especially for tight cover keyboards. They're excellent. Um, I'd like the fact that they're not rounded uh, and I like the fact that they're still square. Um, I know Google and Apple have gone for rounded keys and I'm sure they're great, but um, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's quite interesting. I mean, again, I'm I'm new to Macs, so I'm, I can't recall, you know, what, what the keyboard's shape was traditionally, but I mean... No, this, the is, for the t- this is for just the type covers. So for oh, Google, yeah, yeah, like the um, oh, so they were traditionally round, fully round. Y- yeah, and I still, I think they still are on the the Magic Keyboard um, that Apple sell for the oh, iPads. Wow. No, oh, but God. but most reviewers, well, just going by the Google's uh, rounded keys, 
most people say they're really, really good, really comfortable. Uh, and um, in terms of typing errors, it's very minimal. So I mean, I've never personally used it, so I can't really judge. But um, yeah, but it, they do look, the, the Google's keyboard looks really, really nice. Um, I, ca I can't remember how much it was, though. Um, but yeah, I mean, moving on, I think, yeah, so they say, so, you know, they're really embracing any input devices, basically, you know, used from thousands and thousands of the peripherals that they support because they're a universal platform. Um, and that's what they uh, strive to be. And, uh, and that's what they're proud of. Um, and that segs, you know, that segues into gaming. That's another thing they're hugely proud of. Um, it's, uh, it's in their DNA. Um, Windows and gaming is synonymous um, mm -hmm. with each other. And, um, and now they, you know, since I guess um, the Xbox division took a completely new direction with, you know, uh, with Phil Spencer at the, the helm, um, they're really embra uh, embracing the PC ecosystem into gaming as being a, a unified platform. So mm. you, the idea is not to have too much disparity between them in terms of features and gaming support. And traditionally, um, over consoles, PC um, developers generally made games for PCs. That was always their number one um, platform. And they tended and in they the, in the traditionally got ported over to consoles once they were designed on PC. Um, most of the big games are still designed on PC. So um, now that there's a, a, um, a resurgence in PC gaming and a renewed interest uh, and, I guess, a um, focus from the, the Microsoft team um, for gaming on PC, Naturally, they're bringing all these Xbox Series X features like auto HDR and direct storage um, APIs for developers to use in the DirectX 12. Um, um, I wouldn't say, I don't know, DirectX 12, that's a, it's not an application. Oh, God, I can't remember what it is. But yeah, I mean, auto HDR, an incredible function. Uh, basically, developers don't have to do anything. If you've got a HDR monitor or a laptop, uh, any kind of HDR display, um, any game that you play will automatically um, have uh, you will automatically have HDR enabled. They use some sort of sexy algorithm that kind of um, mimics HDR. I don't exactly know how it works, but all I know is that there's a, a notable or tangible difference if you have a HDR TV mm. or monitor. So with direct storage, it's, it's an API that developers can leverage um, for their games. So the, 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 the GPU can access data directly from the SSD. And the minimum require, requirements are that the SSD needs to be at least PCI uh, PCIe Express 4, uh, PCIe, PCI Express 4.0. And um, because uh, that supports the really top end speeds. And when yeah. a graphics card, I guess, needs to access data, it needs to be able to get that data almost instantaneously. Gotcha, uh, and, yeah. and I guess that's the, um, um, the technical 
you know explanation of direct storage is so gpus can get you know obtain the data almost instantly that means so what that relates to in real world is um you know next to zero loading times games just boot up instantly assets in the games can be uh, loaded in instantly so the game will perform um um heck of a lot better than if you didn't if you didn't have this feature uh, is this kind of has this been leveraged from the xbox series x yeah it's the exact same um yeah the the api from the that was that that was designed for the xbox to utilize yeah so games mm. utilized for the series x uses uh direct storage but you know we haven't seen too many native games just yet um but because uh, it's been slow on that front um but yeah so and then they've got game pass built and you know with that they've got game pass built right into windows 11 Mm. And also Xbox Cloud Gaming also baked in because that's part of Game Pass. So if you if you're a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, you you have access. To, you know these hundreds and hundreds of games, a catalog of games, basically Netflix for games. And uh, with that, if you don't want to, I suppose, download and install the game, you can just stream the game instead. So if you don't have a high powered PC you got a lower powered PC or you have a laptop that doesn't have a GPU, then just stream your game. It gives you that versatility. Mm. Hook any controller up you wish and uh, off you go. So they've really, really brought gaming to the forefront for anybody. So you, you, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be tied uh, or segmented to a small group of people with super powerful workstations Um or you know workstation grade laptops or gaming laptops or anything like that even it's good that windows is you know microsoft's thinking about you know for want of a better term kind of the non-serious gamers that i.e you know those without the kind of the proper gaming station setup type situation going on just someone that might casually want to you know download xbox game pass and and play some game um without yeah. having all the right gears and, and you know set up for it so yeah it's good it's good it's, you know it's good that they're thinking about uh, a wider audience yeah game pass has definitely become staple um for the xbox division such a a key player uh, uh a crucial product um for them to kind of build out the gaming ecosystem whether you know you're you're an um, Xbox player, a PC player, or even a PlayStation or a Nintendo player. It's really trying to bring um, gaming to everyone, regardless of what ecosystem you're in. So, yeah, because obviously Game Pass is platform agnostic, works on iOS, works on um, pretty much anything. And uh, uh, and with the with their uh, announcement of Game Pass coming to TVs with partners like Samsung, but they haven't officially announced it, but most likely it's going to be Samsung and LG. So you'll have the Game Pass app on their TVs, on their platform natively. And uh, and already we know it's going to be coming to Android TV as well. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, it's just going to be everywhere. It's going to be ubiquitous. So, um, you know, as long as your TV can support some sort of form of Bluetooth, I'm sure uh, you can just pay your controller and off you go. So is that so? Xbox Game Pass is that coming to? You said most likely Samsung and, and LG, but also any other TV that has Android TV. 
Yeah, because they've all they've already got a Android version app, and so um, it'll be um, just down to them to just really optimize it for Android TV or TV platforms, really, because some TVs are. I guess it doesn't require any kind of you know processing power. It's just it's streaming, right? It's just streaming you know video. So, mm. but I guess it will have to to some degree process the inputs from your controller, right? Um, yeah. So the, the, I don't I can't imagine it being supported by every single TV. Uh, it will have to be TVs you know that will be powerful enough to be able to drive that kind of constant input. Um, um, that gets sent out. So looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward. Yeah, to it. I love Game Pass app. It's uh, I think it's so it's especially with the refresh that they done. I can't remember now when it was. Was COVID's just messed up all the <clears throat> perceptions of time for me. I don't know if it's months ago, a year ago. I can't remember, but you know, yeah. the now the kind of refreshed Game Pass uh, app. I think is really slow. So easy to kind of pull up at the remote control if you can't be bothered to you know. Or if you don't have the the controller next to you, you know, this it's just so handy. Yeah, I love Game Pass. Um, I also forgot to mention that they are going to be releasing their own streaming stick. So if you have a TV that's not compatible and you can't afford a console, or you probably can't even get one because they're always sold out, uh, <laughs> you can pick up one of these uh, uh, streaming sticks. I hope they're cheap. I hope they. I hope they're under fifty pounds. Otherwise, it just defeat the purpose. I, I hope it's somewhere between sort of the um, fire stick price, somewhere in between there. What's that, like 30 quid? 35, I think, yeah. yeah. It'll be amazing if it was only 20 pounds. That'd be crazy. And um, you know, it should be, I mean, why not? Because all it does is just run Game Pass, right? What's that, it runs Game Pass? Yeah, I mean, why does it need to be more than 20, 25 pounds? Yeah, but it's convenience as well, isn't it? Because you're basically saying you don't, you then don't, you then don't need a, um, what, 400 pound console? Yeah, fair enough. I think maybe I'm just being too, too tight. Uh, yeah, I think, I think 50 pounds is reasonable. I think if it's a good streaming stick that runs, you know, games at high fidelity, 4K HDR. Uh, 60 frames per second, 120 frames per second. Who knows? I don't know, but <laughs> that'd be quite good. Uh, yeah. Oh, anyway, enough about gaming. Let's move on. What's next? Apps. Uh, yes, apps. So, um, so you seen? Have you seen the screenshots of the Microsoft Store? I've seen. Yeah, I have. I've seen some of it. I, I can't say I've paid like close attention to any of the details of it, but I have seen it passing by. Yeah. What do you think? Do you know what it is? I, if I'm totally honest, this sounds really silly, but I I can't really remember what the old one looked like. I just, <laughs> no, I, I think can't... that. I I think that's a fair that's a fair response actually. Because yeah, how many so, people would how many people do you know opens the app store on the Windows? Well, this is the thing. <laughs> I, I mean, like I literally, the, I open up the Microsoft Store the first ever time I get a Windows laptop, download all the apps I need, and then afterwards it's like you know, a few like the odd one here and there over time. But yeah, like I almost forget that we have there's an actual app for the store. 
Um, yeah. But obviously, when, when you do see it, like the screenshots, then you then recognize it straight away. But I couldn't inherently tell, you know, like, where are the differences? What's been, you know, up, updated? Okay, let me tell you something. The the current app store is garbage. I mean, I mean, I can open it up now. I mean, look, actually, I like it. Traditionally, it was garbage. It's a lot better now than it what it used to be. They they made huge changes. Um, the new one just looks a lot more modern. It's something that you're more familiar with, like the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Um, and finally, they've kind of decluttered it almost. It looks very clean because one one of the worst things about having a marketplace is when everything is sort of in disarray, yeah. is in complete clutter. You don't really know what you what you're where looking to, at. Where to go? Yeah, exactly. Um, you don't need too much information at the forefront. If you need more information about a particular app, go into and click into the store. Um, uh apparently like it looks i think from the screenshots i've seen and the the um the sizzle reel that i've watched about the app store um so far i'm quite impressed um but that's not what impresses me the most what impresses me the most is uh aside from the fact that it's extremely developer friendly and that's very much uh speaking about the elephant in the room which is uh, apple and their uh, apple app store practices uh, but I guess we'll have to get into that on in another uh, in a in another episode. Um, yeah, it's extremely responsive because that's one key thing an app store has to be. A marketplace has to be super responsive. It cannot be sluggish. It cannot be slow. Um, it has to be a breeze and a joy to use. It has to be buttery smooth. So that is a um, a key metric there. Um, the other thing that excites me the most is Adobe CC will be natively published on the App Store, which I cannot wait for. That's going to be awesome because I'm a huge Adobe user. So for me, you know, really keen to seeing how the experience um, of the Adobe applications function on Windows 11 now that it's being published. Uh, via directly via the app store is it going to be win32 or is it going to be um a universal windows platform app or it's definitely not going to be a um, it wasn't already so so the, the adobe um creative cloud suite it wasn't already on microsoft store not that i'm aware of i just used to just download it directly from the adobe website and never used to go into the app store yeah oh wow so hopefully they can bridge the gap between, you know, for Windows, Windows just tends to be, you know, hey, do whatever you want. And that's a good thing for the most part because devs have the freedom. But you also need to have like a, Wait, a nice... What's, what's devs? Developers. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. My bad. I just had a, a slow moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all right. You're forgiven. Um, uh yeah, and uh, you know, you, you need to have a marketplace where it's uh, it it empowers. You know, it gives confidence for developers to publish their apps, knowing that there'll be the apps will be discovered by the three billion, you know, however million billion um, Windows users that, that there are around the world. 
um, and they're not really taking advantage of it. And I'm sure devs would want to publish their apps in the app store if it made sense. Um, mm. But because um, I suppose for a long time it didn't because Microsoft didn't really show any love. Um, they just didn't see the point. It just didn't seem commercially viable. But now if, they, if they're if they paying a lot more attention and listening to developers about um, how to improve the app store, which it looks like they have, um, then it can flourish. You can have a really good uh, developer ecosystem uh, with a, um, a flourishing marketplace. So let's see. But, it's quite interesting. But, um, it's quite interesting that that's the case. And, you know, the kind of approach Microsoft are taking when you consider the, the background of, you know, Apple and the Epic trials and, you know, some of the disputes going on there. So uh, kind of this is a quite a clear kind of message isn't it really from windows look we want developers on board it was a jab it was a jab it was, it was a jab it was yeah. a jab it was a jab it was a message and it's hey we care about our developers if you know if you have nowhere else to go come here yeah basically <laughs> i mean obviously you take advantage of that situation if you want to send a message they certainly did they said you you can bring your own commerce engine into windows which is basically Steam, and then, then you've got the Epic Store, and then Ubisoft's got their own store. And if you bring your own commerce engine, it does get to keep 100% of the revenue, which, as far as I was aware, I always thought that was the case anyway. But um, but I guess they just wanted to shout about so, that. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, if, it's, if it's a gaming app, they get to keep 88% of the revenue, and if it's a non-gaming app, they get to keep 85% of the revenue. In any case, but you know, it's more than 50% of um, it's more than 50% less than what um, Apple have been taking because they take a straight 30% slice of that pie. Hmm. 30% of your business, boom, just like that. The gatekeepers of the app store the arbiters yeah. of um, the app store revenue. <laughs> they are the yeah. mafia. Yeah. So. All in all, app store, you know, big finally got up. some love. Yeah. Good big thumbs up. We'll, we'll have to see. A lot of this was very, you know, kind of glossed over. It was very quick. It's very high level. Yeah. We do have to temper yeah. expectations. I mean, we didn't, we didn't talk about Android apps. Mm, this is the big one actually yeah i mean well saving the you know one of the main stuff to the end i guess um android apps yeah talk to me yeah i mean how do i feel about that i mean i'm 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 quite ecstatic because you know i guess that's one of the things that a modern ecosystem like windows is missing is mobile platform-esque apps you know like pinterest you know okay i get it when you're on a laptop uh, or a desktop you know windows is like hey you can access anything through the web but there are a lot of times where nowadays you're seeing a lot of um developers not really bothering with hosting websites for their um for their app equivalent or their commerce site or anything like that it's just hey go into the app 
I know yeah. you can order stuff of Del- Deliveroo on on their web website, but um, you know most of this, most of like the modern applications happen, you know, in their app, and so so yeah, like you know, we saw glimpses of TikTok, Evernote, um, mm-hmm. Pinterest, and all those kind of uh, apps, and I'm super stoked uh, for this, and uh, I cannot wait. Uh, to um to 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 see this evolve because although right now you're aware that you can only use download apps that are already published on the amazon app store Mm. so the android because you know android so basically amazon have had their own app store um that uh people used to publish um basically the exact same Android app, APKs, um, to their store because um, that's how you could um, publish apps for the likes of Firestick, Fire TV, the Kindle, uh, the the Fire HD, I think it's called their tablet. Mm. Um, It's essentially the same app, but you just had to publish it also in the Amazon app. Um, And so, you know, I'm not saying every single app that's on the Google Play Store is also in the Amazon um, marketplace but um, for the most part if developers easily wanted to publish it on the Amazon marketplace so it can be also housed in Windows they can it's very easy I don't think they have to really the one do thing anything I the one thing I didn't understand was why why is there a role for Amazon here anyway so why can't developers you know develop their apps straight onto the Microsoft uh, store marketplace what why what's the role of amazon here what so because one of the things they, they said was you know you can do this is great you can have your android apps on your windows um by the way you just have to you know have an amazon account and do it through amazon and you have to download the amazon app first well, I, you know i just I, I didn't get the clear you know the the link of amazon here and why that was necessary well let me walk you through this actually because if you just tell, because you can't, you can't traditionally, they've always had trouble getting developers to make apps for their Windows platform, right? So, so now they need like a proxy to be able to publish Android apps. Um, well, to, to have Android apps available on the Windows platform right out of the box. Otherwise, it would just be a case of them saying, oh, by the way, um, we're running, um, you can publish Android apps directly onto the operating system using our Linux subsystem or whatever it is that they, uh, you know, use uh, whatever technology that runs Android apps in a special virtual machine container. Mm. Um, It will still require developer to make some actionable kind of steps in order to publish it directly. And that's what Panel said. It's like, you know, if if uh, a developer wanted to publish their Android app directly to the app store, that they can, um, and it will run in sort of like a virtualized container mode. Um, right. But out of the box, you won't have every application. It will be very much dependent on the developer having to act, to do that, to take the energy and the time to publish so- it. Are you essentially saying, so reading between the lines, are you saying the Amazon route, i.e. Amazon kind of as the middleman in a very simplified model, 
exactly it makes developers life developers lives easier well in this way developers don't have to do anything it's already there on the amazon app store so whatever apps that's already on the amazon uh, marketplace is automatically there on the windows it requires zero interaction or action with them so what do we fine so what do we then do for apps that are not on the amazon marketplace well yeah that's a great question because then there, there won't be there won't be available for you to what use it on your windows, windows. It yeah. won't, unless the developer wants, they can, well, for as far as I, yeah, that you can either publish it on the um, Amazon uh, marketplace yeah. or they can just bypass Amazon marketplace and just publish it directly to the Windows store. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling that the former is going to be most common because say, for example, people are requesting their favorite app um developers or like app owners to have a certain app available in windows then they're probably just most likely going to just publish it on the um the amazon marketplace and then voila you've got it on your windows device mm. uh is you know the, this is just something microsoft always had an issue with it's just getting developers to make apps uh for windows like native apps they're happy to design Win32 apps, but Win32 apps lack um, lack the modern tools um, for a lot of developers, app developers. So therefore, they just prefer to make um, apps for Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Um, for Windows, you just either use a browser or um, they'll make a separate app, you know. Mm. Um, you know, if you think about it, not many people, like, you know, I mean, in terms of publishing their app on the App Store, the key players are really Spotify, Netflix, and a few others. Um, mm. uh, otherwise, they could easily just be like, oh, don't worry, if you're on a Windows, just uh, just go to Spotify.com. <laughs> but it's not the same experience, is it? No, Having an app is completely different. And uh uh, this yeah. is really this is really interesting because it really eats into what one of the um, key uh, attractions of having Chrome OS is because not only is it a um, I wouldn't say it's a fleshed out operating system but not only is it a a, tip, a, a a traditional desktop operating system but you can also run Android apps on there. But I don't, I don't really think Chrome OS is a traditional desktop operating system. It's very, it's not really like Mac OS or Windows. It's it's somewhere really in between, and it's not really an operating system that I personally find attractive or have enjoyed using. Yeah, I mean, it's more something that could have easily just found itself on a tablet and lived on a tablet as opposed to a traditional laptop. Could you imagine Chrome OS being on a desktop PC? Could you ever imagine anyone buying Chrome OS on a desktop PC? <laughs> probably not, no. No, probably not. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, look, this is Android apps running on a fleshed out desktop PC. I mean, it doesn't get bet any better than no. this. Uh, I've got to say, when I, when I heard it, I was... Uh, I was a little bit devastated to be honest because uh, obviously my, I've got an Android phone and I've just moved over to Mac OS 
um so you know i won't necessarily be able to take full advantage of this or at least straight away um what can you do i'm I'm looking forward to seeing it seeing it you know in more in more kind of detail seeing what it looks like in practice you know are there any major apps that aren't available etc etc but it's you know finally finally they um this again will add to that more intuitive kind of um integrated feel and user experience i think this is if you had to choose like top five key things from a user experience perspective from this windows 11 update this has to be one of them for me yeah no absolutely um it 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 was a big surprise and i think it um did take a lot of people by surprise um yeah and look i know the mac os can run ipad or the app app store apps right which were designed for touch um so but but i hear i hear the experience is awful because mac doesn't support touch inputs unless yeah they yeah they don't support touch inputs and so you're effectively using these um uh, these app store apps with a mouse. And that's not really something that's really going to, um, produce a great user experience. Was this apps, was this specific apps, which are designed to kind of be used with touch inputs? Is that that what you're saying? On all apps on the app store designed for touch input because they only have touch devices. Hold on. What are we talking about here? Uh, I thought so, you meant... Go on. Is this, is this the Mac? Are you talking about Mac OS and kind of using apps on Mac OS and some 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 apps kind of uh, are at a disadvantage in a sense because you can't have touch capabilities for them? Yeah, because technically right now, because the, the Mac runs the M1 chip, right? So it's mm-hmm. effectively the same silicon and the same architecture. So out of the box natively, I think natively or near enough natively, any uh, Apple Store app can run on a Mac OS on Big Sur, right? On your M1 Mac. So for example, if you wanted to go to the App Store and launch Instagram, you could and you'll, you'll sort of appear in a window, like a phone window. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because the Macs aren't touchscreen, you can't really take advantage of... Well, apparently it does work, but it's very finicky because you can only use a mouse, right? Or a a touchpad, which which is another sort of mouse input. And and I guess with a touchpad, you can... I suppose you can touch it and it should then respond with it as if it was a touch input, but I don't really know. But the point I'm trying to make is because... By design, Windows is a touch-friendly uh, operating system, and a yeah. um, and a lot of their devices are two-in-ones, which also fold into sort of tablet mode. Um, it makes a perfect sense. Is almost like sort of um, a marriage, almost because all Android t- um, apps are designed for touch unless it's for the Android TV, which is not really designed for touch, but yeah, for the most part. So effectively you can take your surface pro or surface and just kind of scroll through, you know, with your finger, 
because you know yeah like, I, I think i think it's well known that many people would love touch input touch capabilities in apple device uh, mac devices right i think it's 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 a known thing really isn't it it's not a, a secret but um apple obviously we, we i don't think we can again we can't say uh never but at least for the time being it doesn't look like apple's going to introduce those capabilities um maybe maybe if they do at some point then you know then you won't have that issue as you say you won't have you know all apps can be used optimally mm. I don't know if, you know, you're right. I don't know if they're ever going to do it. I know it's a huge request from their user base. But what I would say is with Windows 11, with how they really um, improved the touch UI and the touch-friendly UI design, I could, if it really kicks off and it becomes a really core part of the Windows experience, then I think um, Apple will be forced to at some point because if it becomes a compelling um, feature and a workflow experience, then um, I think that's what will happen. Who do you think has the biggest power to influence that though? Kind of, you know, consumers and consumer expectations or developers who develop the apps? Uh, that's a great question. Um, Maybe both, to be honest, isn't it? You could, you I think it's need... both, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it is both because look, touch just works out of the box, right? I think it's consumers. If consumers, um, all it takes is one or two developers to make a super touch-friendly application for windows right and if consumers really naturally gravitate towards this feature and find it invaluable similar to how like people find the pen invaluable to ipad on sketch when they're sketching stuff in a similar way um if it becomes invaluable then um then that could really shift expectations for what people are looking for in modern devices so and uh, and this brings us back to closing right you know you know uh, to what satea was saying uh, um to close off the to the, the main event that um they're really striving for this mobile first cloud first um world and they really need to cater to that now. And uh, I would say they're a little bit late catering to it, but um, that's ultimately what their purpose is. They, you know, I think from, from and, and he said that the, the pandemic has really uh, renewed their sense of purpose of what Windows as a platform means. I think even they were taken back by the fact that, that PC sales had rocketed and, and, and there was this, uh, rejuvenation for having a you know productivity first desktop platform where people can connect to work and get work done and um, because for such a long time people thought PCs were 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 a dying segment but now it's like um, people have really seen the value of um, of having 
a traditional, not just a tablet and not just a mobile phone, a fully fledged traditional um, desktop device, whether that's a laptop. Yeah. And because of that, I think it's really, it's really pushed them to rise to the challenge and, and, and produce a non-enterprise focus, a mobile first focus, consumer first focus operating system. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think that's ultimately what this whole new platform is about, is about, uh, a new world that we, we live in now where, you know, working from home and, uh, conferencing constantly and, and things like that. And you need to just get shit done. Mm. Whether it be entertainment, gaming, productivity, creativity, building a business, innovating. Um, and you know, he was, he was very passionate about, you know, propelling windows to be a platform to foster innovation creativity that was something he kept going on about um a platform from you know that can leverage these new generation uh or devices inputs and workflows and um so i think windows 11 is really trying to strive for a bigger purpose mm-hmm. and that kind of shows so all in all, um, Windows 11, how, how would I summarize it? About time. Um, modernized and in tune with what we expect of Microsoft, I think, and, and Windows. I think, I think that's my broader big picture takeaways here is, you know, they're moving with the times they're keeping up with, you know, keeping in line with their ethos and their way of kind of delivering user satisfaction. Um, and, you know, all in all, I think it's a, it's a nice, neat upgrade is I think, you know, back to that original question, how drastic is it? How much, how significant is this update? I think all in all grand scheme of it, I think it is fairly significant it's not just a minor refresh. It's a big, you know, dominant update. Um, and they almost lure you into like a false sense of kind of, um, you know, everything still looks broadly the same. Well, actually there's a lot of different subtle changes, which I think will quite, you know, quite distinctively kind of change um, how the, the OS will feel. Um, it's a shame because I, you know, unless I, I, I kind of get a, a Windows device near the, t- you know, once this comes out to test it out, uh, I won't necessarily be able to, uh, you know, check it out myself. But yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, what people think of it, what people say. Your own reflections. I know you'll you, you'll be keen to kind of test this out probably later in the year. Um, but all in all, I think I think it's looking good. I think it's definitely looking good. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next week for Thanks episode all. six. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week. Take care. Bye. Peace.